to that. You guys can go ahead and have a seat. How are y'all doing this morning? <clears throat> it is the uh, first week of spring break, and uh, to all our people that are that are on spring break, and hopefully you join us online. I know we had some trouble with our online uh, this morning. Um, uh, YouTube said that it was illegal content. I hadn't even started preaching yet. How do they know what I'm? You know? But uh, anyway, so hopefully that's getting fixed. If uh, if if not, we uh, we love you anyway. Um, guys, today is a very, very, very special day, and today we just have permission to celebrate. We're just going to celebrate today because we need to, as a church, we need to be celebrating, and uh, there's so much faithfulness, so much goodness that, uh, that we can, uh, if, I, if I sat up here for 10 hours, I wouldn't be able to tell all of the faithful, faithfulness of God for the last 15 years of our church history and, and all the things that, that he's done. Uh, it's just just amazing. Um, what, what, what God has done in us and through us and, and, and for us. I, I'm, I'm just overflowing with thankfulness today. And so I'm really glad you guys are here. Uh, we have a big important announcement at the end of the service today, uh, which, which is just another celebration of God's faithfulness and, and, uh, and how he moves through us. Uh, Fifteen years ago, you all, uh, Catalyst was a dream. That's all it was. It was a, a, a bunch of people that were meeting in my living room that had been praying for you all who, uh, who, who have uh, joined us in the last 15 years uh, for the ministries that have happened. We had no idea what was going to happen and no idea what God was going to do. We only knew this is what God wanted us to do. And so um, uh, we've been through the Great Recession, which was the, the worst uh, uh, economic times in America since the Great Depression. We've been through COVID. We've been through uh, the, the lockdowns, the shutdowns. We've been through all of the stuff that's happened in the last 15 years, the culture wars and everything, and here we are. Uh, and it's just, uh, just amazing to see how God has sustained us and been faithful to us and, and allowed us to thrive in ministry and, and all the things that we've been able to do over the last 15 years. Um, and so when I was reflecting on what, 15 years is a big deal. We're freshmen slash sophomores in high school now. This is, this is incredible. And so I, I basically wanted to call it this, the 11 who didn't leave, re-engaging revival after the great resignation. Um, everybody has heard about the great resignation. People quit their jobs and people quit their churches and people quit their marriages and people quit all kinds of things over the last three years. A, a, a Wall Street Journal poll um, said that, that these things have have not just have people resigned from those things, but people resigned from, from things that they used to believe are important. Um, showed this, that uh, in, in, 20, in 1998, 70% of Americans said patriotism was very important to them. Now it's 38%. Um, in 1998, 62% of people said religion was important to them. Now it's at 39%. Um, 59% of people said that having children was very important to them. Now that's down to 30%. Uh, people said the community involvement was at 47, then it went up to 62%. Now it's down to 27%. The only thing that grew was money. 31% of people said it was, it, it was very important to them in 1998. Now 43% uh, say that. And uh, it's just, it's just, 
crazy to me how people have resigned from these things. Basically, what we're looking at is a demoralized kind of, kind of uh, resignation from everything, kind of a, 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 a hopeless, a, a belief in the hopelessness of what's going on right now as people resign from those things. Well, see, guys, I, I look at that, and I'm like, am I a stranger here? Am I the only one? Because I'm the exact opposite. I've been outside America. I've been to the Dominican Republic. I've been to Chile. I've been to Mexico. I've been to Nepal. I've been to India. I've been to these places. And I'm telling you, man, this is the greatest country in the world. I, I, people that, that, that don't think that, that, that America is a great country, please go outside of America for about six months. Goodness. You don't love this country. You haven't been outside this country. Okay? I, that's what I feel. Religion. Guys, my faith is everything that I am. Um, having children. Hey, I think having children is important. I had four of them. I believe it. Put my money where my mouth is, you know? Uh, and and obviously, obviously money is important. I mean, people that say it's not important are, have never, have never, they're just not being honest, okay? Money is important. You have to have it. People that, people that say it's not important, okay, well, just, just donate your next 10 paychecks and, and, and not be able to pay your bills and find out how important it is. That, that's ridiculous, Okay? But I feel like when I see that, I feel like I'm all alone. I get this feeling of isolation. I'm the only one that, that, is, that, that believes what I believe. Um, and, uh, and what I'm realizing is that that is a very common thought among Christians, among believers in, in, in Jesus Christ throughout history. If you go back to 1 Kings 19, uh, 1 Kings 19, uh, there's, a, there's a crazy story uh, about the prophet Elijah. He, he's just had this ma- amazing face-off with the prophets of Baal. And, and, and God is answered with fire on the altar. And, and he just killed 450 prophets of Baal. Okay, That's what's going on. Well, the queen, queen named Jezebel and King Ahab, like the worst rulers in Israel's history, said this. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, how he killed all the prophets with a sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. He came to Beersheba in Judah. He left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord. He said, take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. I've had enough. Lord, this is it. I can't go on. This is, I, I'm, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. Just, just take my life. Because I'm no better than my ancestors. Now, this was not Elijah having daddy issues. Okay, this, this is not like a counseling session for him. He, he's just like, Lord, I, I'm, I'm, I've, just, I've, I've accomplished nothing. I've got nothing left. I'm over. I'm done. Okay? And some of us, when we see polls like the, West, uh, the Wall Street Journal, kind of feel like that. Lord, I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm done being faithful. I'm, 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 I'm just throwing in the towel because following you just, just it, no matter what I do, Feels like it's a losing battle. Okay? Well, I love this. Because the first thing we learn about God is he's, his suggestions and his solutions are just golden. And what, we, what we realize, what we learn from here is sometimes you need a snack and a nap. <laughs> I got an amen. And, 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 and listen to this. Listen to this. This is the word of God, y'all. You know, should have had a Snickers. 
You know, it's straight from the word of God here. Check this out. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. So he, he fell asleep and he had something to eat. Don't miss the power of this. This is the word of God. Okay? He looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank, and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time, touched him, and said, Get up and eat, for the journey's too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank, strengthened by the food. He traveled 40 days and 40 days of 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. So he, what was he doing? He was praying, Lord, just take my life. I'm done and over. Then after a snack and a nap, he was ready to travel 40 days. Okay, guys, listen. Is this kind of funny, honestly? But check it out. I love this about God because he didn't, he didn't go into coach mode. He didn't say, Elijah, suck it up. Quit whining. You know, you just, I just answered with fire, and I did all this for you, and now you're just wanting to give up and throw in the towel. No, no, no. Hey, God doesn't do that. He goes into nurture mode because he knows Elijah's at his breaking point. And believe me, when you're at your breaking point, God knows that too. So he suggests something very simple something very practical. He doesn't browbeat Elijah. He just says, hey, you need a nap. And here's the, you know, the, the Israeli equivalent of a Snickers, okay? And it changes his attitude. I love that. Sometimes you just need a snack and nap. So if you are feeling down, if you're feeling discouraged, sometimes you just need a Snickers and a nap, okay? But here's, here's the thing. The second thing we realize is that even the heroes of the faith felt alone, all right, uh, uh, here in verse 9, then he went into the cave and spent the night, and the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. See, I think there, there's a lot going on here, but I, have, I know the Christians feel like this right now. Lord, I'm the only one. The people of America have Removed your Ten Commandments from our classroom. We've removed prayer. We, we have, we, we, we've, we've kicked Christians out of, of universities. We've done everything. They, they've torn down your altars. They've, they mocked your name. And here I am the only one left. And now they're after me too. Okay? Very easy to feel like that nowadays. And maybe there's a little resentment going up. Lord, I followed you faithfully and this is all I get? This is what I get? I've not compromised with the world. I've not gone on with ridiculousness. But I'm standing and I'm feeling hung out to dry here, God, because I feel like I'm the only one that's standing against the tide of secularism, of secular humanism, of transgenderism, of all the stuff that's being thrown at the church right now. I'm the only one standing against it. It's easy to feel that way. And God's answer to that loneliness himself, and what's known as the remnant. Check this out. In verse 11 through 13, the Lord said, Go stand by the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. The Lord doesn't argue with him, doesn't try to correct him. The Lord just says, Hey, I'm about to pass by. I'm about to approach you. I'm going to give you my presence. And he's going to teach Elijah something. Check this out. Then a great and powerful wind tore through the mountains, tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks for the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. Then a wind, after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord's not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord's not in the fire. After the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. And verse 15 says this. 
Go back the way you came. Go back to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazael, king over Aram. Also anoint Yehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. Anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, uh, uh, from Abel-Meholah, uh, to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escaped the sword of Hazael, and Elisha will put to death any those who escaped the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel whose knees have not bowed down to Baal, whose mouths have not kissed him. One of the things that I've learned in 15 years of ministry is to stop looking for the huge move of God, the big miracle, the big show. Because a lot of times God's not in that. Most of the times God's not in that. I used to look for those things, y'all. God, if you just swoop in here and walk on water, if you part the Red Sea and turn stones into bread and and give me the winning lottery ticket. You know, it'd just, it'd just be, it'd be everything. But I found out that's not how God works. Over 15 years of ministry showed me that God tends to inhabit the whisper. And did you get that there were only 7,000 people in the entire nation of Israel that were faithful to God? This was God's chosen people, and there were only 7,000. There are churches in America bigger than that. In the whole of Israel, there are only 7,000 left. If you think that you are the only one, if you think that America has rejected God, you ain't seen nothing till you look at ancient Israel, okay? We are, we are a golden child compared to that. There are only 7,000 faithful people in the entire nation of Israel left. But there were 7,000, not just one, Okay? And if you look around, guys, if you start feeling discouraged, feel like you're the only one, there are millions of Christians, faithful Christians in this nation. Billions around the world, believe me. Don't start thinking you're the only one. But I, I don't really look for those big things anymore. I mean, they're nice if they happen, but I'm, I'm, I'm really realizing that God isn't really in those things. Fifteen years of ministry and reflection has kind of showed me this, guys, and this is what I want you guys to get a hold of. That God is in the day-to-day faithfulness of his believers. He's in the love between the husband and the wife. The, one, the husbands and the wives that choose to forgive each other and persevere and live according to what the Bible says about marriage. He's in the everyday decisions we make to be faithful to him. What career you're going to go into, who you're going to date, what, how you should respond to a situation that doesn't go right. He's in those. He's in the parents who faithfully raised their children over a period of 18 years, not just a one time, but over, uh, over, over two decades to love the Lord with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. He's in the Sunday morning worship services where no huge big miracle appears or occurs, but where community is developed and people genuinely love each other and people are encouraged and happy to see each other. He's in the mission trip that you take instead of a vacation. He's in the $35 a month that you send to sponsor a child to rescue a, a, a child from poverty. That doesn't make any headlines. That doesn't get, you can't put that on a resume. But what is very, very, very valueless in the eyes of people is of astronomical value to God. And I would take a church of 50 faithful, day-in and day-out Christians who simply love God and love each other and stay faithful over 60, 70 years over the greatest miracle 
on stage. That's what I've learned in 15 years. I was studying the uh, book of Acts last week, y'all, and this truth just hit me. I want to share it with you. This is something that I learned. I've, I've read the book of Acts. I've, I've read through the Bible countless times, and I've been a Christian. I've been walking with, with Christ for, for more than 30 years, but this is the first time I've really seen this. I want to pass it on to you. you can I do that? Can I pass along what I, what I learned? Okay, check this out. All right. It's not the, like I said, the, it's not the big miracle that brings people to Christ. It's not the church's greatest tool to reach people. Check this out. So in the book of Acts, I want you to turn to the book of Acts chapter 16, verse 25. Um, Paul and Silas, Paul was a guy who, who, uh, who wrote most of the New Testament. He was the greatest missionary ever, and he went around planting churches and getting beat up and getting thrown in jail and starting riots everywhere he went because of his ministry and, and everything like that. He was quite the troublemaker. I'd seriously doubt any church would hire him with his resume. Um, but they, they've been, Paul and Silas have been preaching the word of God to, to a, a, a town that they didn't like it. So they, they, the, the crowd uh, surrounds them. They have them arrested. They have them beaten severely. They throw them in the inner cell, not the outer cell. I guess probably inner cell means there's no light. Probably really smelled bad and everything. And, 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 and they, they were there until the next day. So they were treated very unfairly. They had the crowd against them. They felt like the only one. Okay, well, here in verse 25, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Now, before that, um, if you were treated unfairly like that, if you were thrown in jail and beaten and everything simply for preaching the word of God, would you be praying and singing hymns? Would you be having a worship service at midnight? I hope so, because that's what they were doing. But check this out. And the other prisoners were listening to him. I want you to underline that. Other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundation of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. All right, stop right there. You're in jail for something you didn't do. You've been treated unjustly. And all of a sudden, God provides this huge earthquake where the prison doors, literally the prison doors are open and your chains fall off. What do you do? I know what I would do. <laughs> I'd be gone, okay? I'd be waving bye-bye. But check this out. The jailer woke up. When he saw the prison doors open, he figured there were a bunch of people like me, of my character, that would run. He drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. By the way, the reason he was going to do that is in the Roman, in the Roman system, if you were guarding a prisoner and they escaped, you yourself were killed. Interestingly enough, that's why we know that the guard detail at the tomb didn't just let Jesus go, okay? Their lives were on the line, okay? If you were guarding a prisoner and he escaped, you were killed. So that's why the jailer was about to kill himself because the way that they, the Romans killed people was not very nice. And so he was probably most likely facing crucifixion himself, Okay? That's why he was about to kill himself. But check this out. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. 
Please underline that. We are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? It wasn't after the violent earthquake. It wasn't after the miracle that the jailer asked how to be saved. It was when he saw Paul and Silas were still there after it. Okay, don't, don't miss that. The miracle there, you all, was not the jail being thrown open. The miracle was not the chains falling off. The miracle was the jailer's conversion. And that's why God sent the earthquake. That's why God uh, threw open the prison doors and, and loosed the chains, not so they could be free, but so that the jailer may come to Christ. See, guys, what I'm realizing is that many times it is our, the church's reaction to these things that is our largest witness to the world. We are still here. After all, after the way we've been treated, after the way we've been talked about, after the way we've been treated unjustly, and after, after God delivers, we're still here. We're still here. And that is the purpose of this. God had far greater purposes for this, this incident than Paul and Silas and prisoners getting free. It was so the jailer and his family could experience the love of Jesus Christ. And so, guys, the fact that you're still here may be the greatest witness that somebody needs Verse 31, Paul said, they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved, you and your whole household. They spoke the word of the Lord to him and all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, jailer took them and washed their wounds. They immediately, he and his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. That was the point, people. And your witness may not be standing on the street and watching fire come down from heaven and, and all this kind of stuff. Maybe the fact is that you're still here. As in a, in a culture that is undergoing the great resignation where people are checking out of their places of worship, checking out of their place of business, checking out of their marriage, checking out of their beliefs, checking out of everything, we are all here. Never forget that. Because that is how you win the world to Christ. I want to, I want to send some encouragement your way. Okay, there are three rules to life. And I, I give my friend Barry Cameron, Pat, great pastor down in Texas, credit for teaching me these things. Three rules to life. Number one, keep showing up. Rule two, keep doing what is right. Rule three, watch what God does in response. That's it. Three rules. I want you to read them with me. Rule number one, keep showing up. Keep doing what is right. Watch what God does in response. That's it, you all. That's our job. That's exactly what Paul and Silas did. And watch what God did in response. Interestingly enough, Paul probably thought that the jailer's conversion was a greater thing than even watching God throw open prison doors. Because in 100 years, 1,000 years, 2,000 years, 3,000 years, guess what the only thing that matters was? 
was that jailer's place in heaven. And guess what? You stay faithful to God. We're actually going to be able to see that jailer. We'll walk up there and say, hey, jailer, what was it like going from about to kill yourself to finding the joy of the Lord? What, what was it like when you walked in there and you saw that not one prisoner had left? Not one? What was that like? What went through your mind? And the jailer will say, let me tell you what went through my mind. God is good. That's it. It's the only, it's the only explanation. And see, the reason the other prisoners hadn't escaped they had been listening to Paul and Silas. They'd been listening to the worship service that went on. And they knew that it was the God that Paul and Silas were singing to that did this all. And they weren't going to do anything without watching. They were going to do what Paul and Silas were going to do. Paul and Silas left. They were going to leave. If they stayed there, they were going to stay. And that's why they didn't. Because of the tremendous faithfulness to God. Paul and Silas, even in the prison, they kept showing up, didn't they? They kept doing what was right. And they watched what God did in response. So church, we're 15 years old. And I've given us marching orders for the next 15. Keep showing up. Keep doing what is right. And watch what God does in response. Um, uh, you guys know uh, how passionate I am about missions. And uh, I, when I told our, our, our missionary, Ravi, over in India, this was Catalyst's 15th anniversary. I told this to him on Friday. And I, I wish I could show you the Facebook conversation because I say, hey, by the way, you know, Catalyst is, is turning 15. And he types in all caps, what? Question my credit, you know, like this. He goes, he says, brother, I have video to prepare. He goes, you've only given me one day. And, he, and so he said, I'm, I'm, he said, I'm, I'm getting on the phone right now, and I'm, I'm calling my pastors, and I'm calling every, and we're going to go. He drove about, and, and, and Adam and, and Rodney will know what it means to drive 100 kilometers. Here, that's not much. Over in India, that's a lot because the roads are terrible. He drove to all these places yesterday or Friday, and he assembled this video. He said, please forgive uh, the, 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 I didn't have time. I wish I could have done this. wish you would have told me this two or three weeks ago. Our, our ministry could wish you a, a proper, happy 15 years old. But he sent this video to us, just our people that, um, that just want to say happy birthday uh, to us. And so I want to draw your attention to the screen. This is from our friends in India. It's... It's, those are, those are uh, pictures on a screen to you all, but th those, those are people that I know. And Adam and Rodney and I went over there this past uh, fall, and my family has been there, and these, these are uh, just wonderful people who, uh, who we've been and I say blessed, I mean blessed to serve over the last 12 years and uh, how God has brought us together, uh, seeing the work. The, those of you all that weren't here on Christmas, we gave the entire Christmas Day Sunday offering to the Living Water 
project and uh, watching the people have clean water on uh, people that during the dry season would divide up into A group and B group and one day the A group would drink water and the next day the B group would drink water. There were children and adults who didn't have water one day because there wasn't enough. And watching them have clean, fresh water now um, because of your all's faithfulness is just incredible. And watching the, that's not going to make any headlines, guys, that's the whisper. That's the whisper that God is in. And God's greatest work is in the whisper, not in the big and the bold. It's in their 1,200 orphan children. Yeah, it doesn't sound like a whole lot when you look at a nation of a billion people in India, but that's the whisper because those aren't just numbers. Those are people who are made in God's image. And so when I see that, I'm, I'm just I'm, I'm overcome and none of that would be possible without just the daily faithfulness of the people who call Catalyst Christian Church home.